Abide nights are going to be incredible. Uh, I want you to come to one, come to both. Uh, if you are on a serving team here and you have a current background check, uh, we could use you serving in kids that night if you're not serving anywhere else. So uh, if you're interested in serving at Abide Nights, just send us an email, info at revolution.church. Home stretch, folks. Going into the final week, how's it going? It, little, little mix there, okay. All right, we, start, we started the season. Pastor Jason asked us the question that Jesus asked the disciples, what do you want? Well, this disciple wants a cookie. That's, that's, that's what I want. It, it, it hasn't been easy. And, and, and I, I just know that in this 16th year of my walk with Jesus, this is God once again saying, hey, you can't do this without me. I, I need his help. We all need his help. We started out this season with a message about hunger for holiness. Then we went into habits for holiness. Then last week, pursuing wisdom for holiness. Today, we're going to talk about help. And we're going to talk about humility. And the title of today's message is Humility and Help for Holiness. Because Let's face it, we don't want to ask for help. Guys, do you love asking for help? No, no. We'll, we'll YouTube something to figure out how to fix it. But, but we walk into a Home Depot, all of a sudden, we're all chip gains. <laughs> Somebody comes up to us, can I help you? Oh, no, 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 I, I, I've got this. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll walk around for 15 minutes and finally find the person that asked me if I needed help to ask them, where are the light bulbs? Can you, can you help me out with that? We're, we're not good at asking for help. There's a, a form of entertainment. Uh, you may be familiar with this. It was very popular uh, right before COVID, uh, not as popular during COVID. You gather your friends or you gather your family or you gather your coworkers and you go to what is usually some some sort of uh, abandoned strip mall. Maybe there's still a cloud nine in it. Uh, <laughs> you go to an industrial park and you pay the people $30 a person. And then after you pay them $30 a person, they'd lock you in a small room. And they tell you, you have 60 minutes to get out of this room on your own. It's called an... Escape room, yes. I went with my in-laws. It was more of a panic room. And, and as they're locking you in, they tell you, hey, if you call Skippy at the front desk, as long as, long as he's not on a vape break, you, you, get, you get three clues. You get to call for help three times. So I'm there, I'm with my brother-in-law. He flew uh, Blackhawks in Afghanistan for four tours. Uh, we're with his sons who are all exceptional. Two of them are pilots. Ain't no way we're asking for help. <laughs> and at the end of the hour, at the end of the 60 minutes, we didn't have to call one time. We didn't get out. 
Had to do the walk of shame. Skippy opens the door. <laughs> Should have called me. <laughs> it's not easy to ask for help, and that is going to be the first point up on the screen, and then I'm gonna talk about it for a while. It takes humility to ask for help. It takes humility to ask for help. And sometimes, God will humble us, and it's not fun. It's painful when God has to humble us. We're choosing this fast, but sometimes we don't choose the humility. Case in point, the Israelites in the wilderness. God humbled them in the wilderness. That's where we're going to start, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. But first, let's, let's pray and ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, this is us coming to you and asking for your help. And so many times we forget. So many times we think in our own strength we can do it on our own. But Lord, we know we can't. We can't even get through this fast on our own. So we come to you and ask that you help us that you fill us with your spirit, and that as we open up your word, you reveal to us what you want us to hear today. Help me communicate this, Lord, in a way that honors you and in a way that, that helps all of us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So some context of Deuteronomy. It is the fifth book of the Bible. It is um, the final book of the Torah. It is Moses talking to a new generation of Israelites because they've already had their, uh, their road trip for 40 years in the wilderness uh, back in Exodus. And he reminds them of, of who God is. The central point of all of Deuteronomy is the Hebrew prayer that I shared, I think it was last time that I preached. Uh, Hear, O Israel, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one that's called the Shema. And now he is instructing the Israelites on pursuing God. So verse one, the whole commandment that I command you today, meaning everything that God has said, you shall be careful to do, to follow. So there's some action that Moses is asking here that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. So he gives them this mandate in order that they would live and multiply and go into the promised land. And then he tells them how to do it. He gives them a way, he gives them a means. So there's a mandate and a means. Verse two, and you shall remember. Everybody say remember. Remember the whole way that the Lord, the Lord your God has led you. So you see, God's leading them into this fast for those 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. So the way or the means by which 
they would fulfill the mandate to do what God says is that they remember what God did. Remember he humbled them. Remember that they were hungry. And remember that he fed them. And that's what God is asking us to do. Our mandate is to obey him. Our mandate is to abide in him. That's why this season is called abide, to stay connected, to do what he says. And the means that he gives us is remember what I've done and remember who I am. Remember what I've done and remember who I am. And then Moses reminds them, so he wants them to remember, and then, remo- and then Moses, it, Ramoses, <laughs> I've heard it both ways, um, <laughs> reminds them why God was testing them so that they would test what was in their hearts. Or another way to say that is check their hearts. Or another way to say that is what do they want? Do they want to follow God? Do they want to obey God? Or do they want to go back to Egypt? Because that's really what they wanted. They wanted to go back to Egypt and eat their choice food. So they, they were really looking at this whole thing that Moses was saying to them and wondering, hmm, do I want to follow God or do I want to go back to the slavery of Egypt? Were they saying, I want to go back, or were they saying, I love you more than I love my stomach? It's a great time right now to ask ourselves, where are we? Do we really want to follow God? Do we really want to obey God? Is is he more to us than our hungers? Is he more to us than than what we're hungry from? And that answer could be hungry from anything. And it takes humility to really ask that question. It takes humility to say, God, I want you more than I want my food. God, I want you more than I want my social media. How many times in the last two weeks have you gone like this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to be on social media this week. It's, it's, a, it's a habit. It's a reflex. It takes humility to say, I want God more than that. It takes humility to say, I want you more than ordering something from Target every single day online. God humbles us because it takes humility. And humility is tricky. You, you, can't, you can't make yourself humble. Just like you can't make yourself holy. Because as soon as you say you're humble, you're not humble. <laughs> One of our favorite TV shows is the, the BBC detective, Hercule Poirot. Any Poirot fans? One, okay. <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a fussy little Belgian man. <laughs> and, and he likes to say, I pride myself in my humility. You, you can't make yourself humble. God will humble us. Back to verse three. He humbled you and let you hunger. He will humble us. See, they did not choose the fast. The Israelites, in their disobedience, they did not choose the fast. We get to choose the fast. They were forced because they weren't humble. 
And sometimes we, sometimes we look at the wilderness and the Israelites in the wilderness, oh, they were hungry and God fed them manna, came out of heaven and everything was great. No, they were, they were complaining. They were disobedient. They wanted to go back to Egypt, back to the slavery of Egypt. They wanted to go back to Egypt so bad, they said they were willing to go die in captivity in the slavery of Egypt so they could eat their choice foods. Pastor Jason has mentioned many times they wanted to go back to their cucumbers. Scripture says cucumbers and garlic. That's what they wanted. I was reading this this week, and I thought, is this the first reference ever to the pickle? Because <laughs> that's how you make it, right? You, 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 brine the, you brine the cucumbers, a little garlic, a little salt, you got pickles. And, and maybe, I don't know, it's just me. Maybe this is why my people love a nice pickle. I don't, I don't know. I, it's true, you go to a Jewish deli, you get a nice pickle. I'm not making that up. The Israelites weren't humble. If that's all you take out of this, or maybe I caused you to stumble. Maybe you want a pickle now. I don't know. You see, there's a, there's a very clear byproduct to humility, and it's obedience. You think about it. If you're humble, you will come under the authority of God and do what he says. So obedience is a byproduct. What it, what's another word for obedience? Obedience. Obedience comes from obey. Obedience, which I made up, comes from abide. We, did you think it was a real word? <laughs> Jasper, did you think it was a real word? No, it's not. Humble people obey. Humble people submit. So I think we have to ask our question, how long do we want to walk in the wilderness? 40 years? Israelites didn't have to walk for 40 years, and we don't have to walk in our wilderness for 40 years. We don't want God to force a fast on us. I've had a, a fast forced on me. You don't want God to humble you. I have had God humble me in my life, and it is not fun. Because of our pride, because of our sin. But there is a a wonderful thing that God does in the humbling. He does refine us. So as we choose to fast, instead of being forced into a fast, we're saying, God, I want you to refine me. I'm choosing you over my hungers because I want the refining process. Because in the fast, God is preparing us. Fasting is a way to humble ourselves to the authority of God to say, get me ready. And what is he getting us ready for? He's getting us ready for Jesus. He's getting us ready for a life eternal with Jesus. And in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus talks about this all through Matthew. He reminds us that he's the bridegroom. And when the bridegroom is away, there will be fasting because there's preparation 
But when the bridegroom, when Jesus returns, what's there going to be? A feast. There's going to be a banquet. So in this fast that we have chosen, there's preparation for the feast, for the banquet. See, the Israelites, they, they didn't have an intentional time where they said, hey, we went to synagogue today, and the rabbi said we're going to fast between the national championship and the Super Bowl. That's what we did because we wanted to be intentional about it. So let me encourage you. Let God work. Let God work during this season uh, as you pursue the spiritual disciplines of fasting and praying and reading your Bible and going through the Abide Guide. Uh, let him do some work and ask him, hey, prepare me. Prepare me for my life with Jesus. So what's God doing in this season? Have you, have you stopped to ask? Because it's easy to check off the box. Ooh, made it another day, didn't eat meat. Made it another day, didn't have sweets. But ask God, hey, what are you doing in my life? I, I gotta fess up to something. Um, and this is a good place to confess, right? Church should be the safest place to share what's on your heart, right? So I'm on the Daniel fast. Um, anybody else on the Daniel fast? No, just you, David. Um, it's just you. I'm on a modified Daniel fast, just brisket, which, no. No, it's, it's, it's vegetables, it's uh, grains, legumes, if you will. And uh, Leanne and I went to a Thai restaurant uh, this week, and I ordered a vegetable dish, and it came out covered in chicken. And I looked at my plate, and I looked at Leanna, and I said, who am I? <laughs> to argue <laughs> with the sovereignty of God And it was delicious. <laughs> no, I had a couple of bites of it. And I was like, okay, this is great. But, but, I, but I do want you more. I do want to put my hungers aside. Are you shocked? <laughs> oh, like I'm the only one that had a fasting fail. <laughs> Please. No, we're all doing great, David. <laughs> I'm sure Daniel had a fasting fail. I mean, he's ordering from Den Dash. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. 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 Let's continue in verse 3. And fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. So God only fed them this thing that, that actually had no name. Manna means, in Hebrew, what is it? <laughs> so so it's, this, it's this biblical who's on first. There's, there's probably a guy going, what is it? Yes. No, I asked what it is. Yes, that's what it is. Well, what is it? Absolutely. <laughs> but they wanted something else. 
God was feeding them. God was providing for them, but they wanted something else. Anybody else get that? Yeah, there's only a certain amount of ways you can prepare zucchini. And we have tried them all. We are the Bubba Gump of zucchini this week. <laughs> but they wanted something more. But here's what he's getting at. Here's what God is getting at with the Israelites. He's getting at that with us. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Such a familiar verse. Sometimes we throw it out, though, to say, hey, you just, you just got to read your Bible more. You just got to get fed, filled up. This is your bread, which is true, which is true. But there's a, a nuance of this because God is the word. We saw that all through John. God is the word. And this verse is saying, if you want me, I want you to want me. Long before the cheap trick song, God is saying, I want you to want me. And if, if you want my word, you'll want me. And if you want me, you'll want my power. You'll want my strength. You'll want my wisdom. You'll want my joy. You'll want my peace. You'll want my help. And that's what God is getting at with this verse. He said, yeah, bread's good, but there's another help. We need another help besides bread. It's the verse that Jesus responds to Satan with in Matthew chapter four. Jesus also in the wilderness. Jesus on a 40-day fast. And what does Satan say to him? Hey, if you are who you say you are, why don't you take these stones and turn them into bread? And Jesus rolls with this verse. So he's using not only the word of God as a weapon against the enemy, but he's also, don't miss this, he's coming under the authority of God. He's humbling himself to the word of God. He's obeying God, running to a low position under the high authority of his father. And if Jesus can do that, what does that say about how we should go. See, God humbled the Israelites to a low position to show that they needed his help. He humbled them to a position, and he humbles us to a position of dependence. You know why sometimes we're not humble? Our hungers are off. We don't want to come under the authority of the word of God because we're hungering for something that is not obeying the word of God. Our wants are off. Our desires are off. We want the wrong things. And the reason why God was humbling them is because their hungers were off. They wanted to go back to the slavery. I was reading that and I was thinking, that would be like me saying, I wanted to go back to my pre-salvation slavery of drugs and alcohol and everything else. The, 
the hungers will draw us back. And if we draw back to our hungers, God will humble us. He did many, many years ago in my life. And tying it back to last week, in the wilderness, they were foolish. They wanted to go back to their slaveries, but God wanted them to recognize they needed his help. So main point, we go back to it. It takes humility to ask for help. But here's some good news. In our pride and in our sin, he loves to help us. Aren't you excited about that? David got it. He wrote it in Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. I'm so glad he loves to help us. And he gives us help through our direct prayers, but he also sends us help in the form of people. Have you thought about that? He sends us help in the form of people, brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us, to build us up. He sends us help in the form of our prayer team. They're standing down here at the end of every gathering. I'll tell you what, I don't see a whole lot of people running down with their prayer requests. I know you got stuff going on. I see the pastoral care forms that come in every day. It takes humility to, to walk 30 feet. Say, hey, I need some help. Will you pray for me? We've got community groups. God sends community groups to help us. God sends care groups to help us. We have our care groups beginning in February. In Canton and in Jasper, grief share, divorce care, men's and women's recovery. God sends us help through counselors. I, I saw my counselor on Monday. It was wildly helpful. All of the pastors here have counselors that we see. I, I know there are churches where pastors don't have counselors. They don't have therapists. I, I just don't know how they do it. This is hard. I, I've said this before. This is the hardest job I've ever had and the only job I don't think I can do. Puts me to my knees every single day because I need God's help. Let's take it a step further. Puts me to my knees every single day because I need God's help because I'm a follower of Jesus and I can't do it on my own. Look around. This is God's help for you. This is God's help for all of us, the gathering of church. And if you're gathering as the church every once in a while, when you've got nothing else going on, you gotta ask the question, am I taking advantage of the help that God has sent me? Am I coming under the authority of the help that God has sent me? Am I humbling myself to the authority and the help that God has sent me? That's not to shame anybody about their church attendance. I'm just saying, it's part of the way God helps us we can try all we want. We can muster up the strength. We can DIY it. We can argue with the word of God. I don't think it says that. Charles Spurgeon says there are people who want to argue with the word of God. 
There are people that want to fight with God's word and not live under the authority of God's word. And what did Pastor Jason say that person was last week? Foolish. Call them a fool. God calls them a fool. God will help you. Not because you help yourself. That verse, God helps those who help themselves in the NITB. The not in the Bible version. That's not, that's, not what, that's not what it says. So here is a, here's another point. God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who humble themselves. And here are two reasons why we want help from God. Number one, there's a payoff. There's a promise. Let's go a few verses down. Deuteronomy 8.16. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something you're ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end, wait for it, it might go well for you. Kind of like Jesus's commandment in Ephesians chapter six, honor your mother and father that it might go well for you. But what if we don't? Hang on. Sip. What if we don't? I mean, what if we still try to do it on our own? What if the sin of pride runs the day for us? Buckle up. Verse 17. You may say to yourself, this is Moses saying to the Israelites, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. And then Moses says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Verse 19, if you ever forget the Lord your God, is everything in capital? Okay, good. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, Moses says, I will testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Whoa. So if they forgot God and worshiped other things, they would be destroyed. Their forgetfulness would lead to their pride, which would lead to their destruction. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride leads to destruction. A haughty spirit before the fall. A haughty spirit is just a prideful spirit. So it's right there. Humble yourself, it goes well. Don't humble yourself, it doesn't. God gives grace to the humble, the obedient, the ones who walk with him, the, one who, the ones who follow him, the ones who come under his authority. He gives grace to those, but he opposes the proud, the ones who walk in disobedience. So number one, why do we want help from God? The promise that it would go well for us. I'll take that. The second reason He's God. I know, wow. <laughs> the second reason we want to follow God and humble ourselves before God, he's God. And we're not. 2007, March 7th, I'll never forget this night. It was a Thursday night. It happened at around 9.30 in the evening. I heard two verses. After I heard these verses, I could never unhear them. And I could never, ever, ever once again say, 
I'm on any plane with God. He's God, I'm not. The verses are in Isaiah chapter 66. Verses one and two. Thus says the Lord. So this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, which is translated just as the seat of honor. Heaven is my throne. So what's his throne? All the heavens, all of them. It's where he sits on a throne. That's amazing. He's just on a throne. You, you may have your favorite chair in your living room and everybody knows in your family, you don't sit. Nobody sits in that chair unless you have a dog. And you may think that you are the king of your living room. You're not. <laughs> this is the king of kings sitting on his throne ruling over all things. And when heaven is your throne, check this out, nothing is out of your sight. When heaven is your throne, nothing is out of your power. When heaven is your throne, nothing is out of your control. That's remarkable, he's that big. But if you're still not convinced, let's continue. And the earth is my footstool. Planet Earth, where all humans of all time have ever lived and all creation has ever been, he puts his feet up. What is the house that you would build for me, God says? And what is the place of my rest? You can't build a house sufficient enough for me. There's no place that you could build that would give me any rest. And he continues, all these things my hand has made and all these things came to be. But here we go, game on. But this is the one to whom I will look. And that word look means to regard or hold in high esteem. This is the one to whom I will respect. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So you see the greatness of God in those two verses. What he's saying, if you get anything out of this, besides the pickles, get this. The only appropriate response to his greatness is humility. It's the only appropriate response Humility means lowly, needy, poor in spirit. That's one of the Beatitudes. Blessed, is, blessed are the ones who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the person who takes that low position. And the humble and contrite person takes position under the authority of God and understands their position under God because of their sin. See, so we get the kingdom when we empty ourselves of ourselves, when we understand there's nothing that we can bring, when we submit to the one who created all things, we gain everything. See, the kingdom of heaven will not be filled with arrogant and prideful people. The kingdom of heaven will be filled with those who understand they don't 
deserve it. And anytime we think we may deserve something, we don't. Make that clear. Because the one who deserved everything gave us everything that we might have everything. Jesus deserved everything, but he took the low position. He took the low position, and God looks favorably upon those whose hearts are submitted to him. That person is way more valuable, according to these verses, than any palace that we could possibly build for him. And here's the most amazing thing. The most amazing thing about that is God, who created the heavens and the earth, God of the universe, he says, you can't build a house for me. You can't build a palace for me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live in you. I'm going to dwell right here. We sing that song, House of Miracles. We're the house of miracles. God dwells in us. We are the temple. He says, you're going to be the tabernacle. And that's the gift. But to receive a gift, it takes humility. So are we willing and able to receive the gift? And you may say, those are pretty good verses. Pretty neat how he sits on a throne Pretty neat how he uses the earth as a footstool, but I'm still going to try to do it my own way. My question would be, how's that working out for you? I know, ouch. A humble and contrite person can receive from a low position, from an empty position. And when we are in a low position, we are saying just from our posture, I need your help. And if you're not there in this fast, my encouragement would be take that posture. When we pray at the end, take a posture of humility and say, I just want your help. I don't know what I want, but I want your help. Isaiah writes in Chapter 41, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. It's promises that God will help us. Jesus ups the game. He ups the game in John 14. We spent like the entire month of August talking about this particular way that God helps us. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and, so bonus, BOGO, and I will ask the Father to send a helper. I will ask the Father to send a helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. He's sending a helper because we cannot do this on our own. He's sending a helper to empower us even through things like the spiritual disciplines, through things like fasting and praying and reading our Bible and journaling, the things that we cannot do on our own strength because we've tried to do it on our own strength and we'll check off a box, but eventually we're going to fail without the help of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit remains with us for the rest of our lives 
to empower us to do those things, to empower us to do what we could never do on our own, and it's all for his glory. So when we ask for help, we're submitting to his help, and we're coming under his authority for his glory. And when we do things for his glory, we are celebrating his goodness. It's a promise. God can't go back on his word on a promise. He's God. If he could go back on his word, he wouldn't be God. But the Israelites, they didn't want to submit. They wanted to go back into slavery as opposed to following him and obeying him and getting to the freedom. And that's what this is all about. Humility to surrender to our hungers, to surrender to God, brings us forward to a place of freedom instead of backward to a place of slavery. That's the difference. So if you humble yourself, you'll get help. If you don't humble yourself, you won't get help. Final point. Let's go back to the verses in Isaiah. If we want to get help from the highest, then we have to get to our lowest. It's a posture issue. If we want to get help from the highest, then we have to get to our lowest. And God puts so many things and people in our lives for our help. He puts the Holy Spirit in our lives to give us the power to do what we can't do on our own. But maybe, maybe you're watching, maybe you're listening today, and you're hungry. Not because you're fasting, but you're hungry because nothing has been satisfying. I get that. I lived the first 45 years of my life trying to satisfy myself with everything. I was, I was in a perpetual state of opening up the refrigerator door and just staring. What are you hungry for? I don't know, but I'm hungry. Is that you? If you're gathered online, are you hungry, but you don't know what you're hungry for? Are you wondering, is there something more? It's not that easy to relate to Tom Brady. But after he won his third Super Bowl in 2005, beating the Eagles, He was on 60 Minutes. He says, I got three Super Bowl rings and all this money. There's got to be something more. And I would imagine that every Christian is screaming at the TV, yes, there is something more. There's someone. And his name is Jesus. And he came to help. He came to help by taking your sins taking our sins. He didn't deserve it. We deserved death, but he took our death. He paid our penalty. He helped us by going to the cross and dying a horrific death so that we could walk in freedom. So are you willing to humble yourself to what he did to help you 
in order to walk in freedom today. So I'm gonna pray for those who are still hungering, for those who are still wanting more. And I wanna let you know that Jesus is the only thing, the only one who will satisfy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is remarkable that you love us so much that you would take the position that you did to dwell in us, to send a helper, to crush your son as a payment for a penalty that we deserve, to forgive us of our sins, And then you help Jesus by raising him from the dead, declaring a victory over death so that we could have life eternal with him. And now you're preparing us, refining us, sanctifying us, making us holy, giving us a hunger for holiness, giving us habits for holiness, giving us a pursuit of wisdom for holiness. And now, a reminder that you are our help for holiness. For those who have not yet surrendered to that help, for those who are in this room or online or in Jasper, still opening up the refrigerator door and looking for something that will satisfy them, we ask, Lord, that you move in their hearts right now and if that's you, you can repeat this prayer after me. Father, I'm hungry. Father, I've been trying to do this on my own strength. And I recognize today I can't. I also see who you are, that you are my creator and that you have given me so much in the form of help that I just didn't see. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and took a penalty that I deserve. I believe that you raised him from the dead, declaring a victory over death, that I might have a life eternal with him. Will you now save me? I surrender to you. I take a humble posture to you. If that was you, and you took that humble posture and surrendered to Jesus for the very first time ever, our prayer team, they're not only here to help you at the end of the gathering, but they're gonna give you the greatest help, the word of God. They have a Bible that they want to give you. Will you raise your hand as high as you can get it? Raise it high. Do not be ashamed. Humility is asking for help. Thank you. Keep it raised until they come around with that Bible. For the rest of us, what a mandate to 
obey him, to abide in him, to follow him, to put aside our hungers, to not want to go back to our slaveries in order to say, God, I want you more. So Father, fill us with your spirit. Give us the strength and the power that we cannot do on our own to sustain us through this fast. Oh Lord, in our obedience, refine us. And as we continue to pursue you, help us get, this is not a box checking exercise, but this is a heart checking exercise so that we would come under your authority and not our own. We love you, we praise you, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.